The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. have your Bible or a device with some kind of Bible app on it, you can go over to Acts chapter 1. And as you're turning there, also help me welcome everybody that's watching online right now through YouTube and through our our website. Come on, help me out. Let's welcome everybody. So we've been in a series for the last several weeks called Within, and we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and His role in our life. And, and how to welcome him into our life. If you've been a part of it, you know, in week one, my wife, Sarah, talked about uh, the role of the Holy Spirit as the living water, that he wants to be the source within you that, that, that is helping you to, to have fruit in your life, to produce fruit that's in you and, and produce fruit from you to, to bless the world around you. Uh, week two, we talked about the, the Holy Spirit, like the breath of God or the wind of God. In fact, that's what the Holy Spirit, that's what that word, that, that name means. He's the breath of God and that God wants to breathe this living breath into you to, to put air in your sails, to help push you forward and have encounters with you uh, through the Holy Spirit. We talked about last week, Pastor Jackson preached and talked about the gifts of the Spirit or the tools of the Spirit. And he said, you know, we've got an assignment to do, a job to do. And to do this job, we need, we need godly tools. And you can't do a, a God thing without a God tool. And so the Holy Spirit equips us with the tools we need to accomplish the assignment he has for us. And so I'm hoping up to this point, what you're really coming to recognize is how incredible the Holy Spirit is and what a gift he is. And, and, and that Jesus, when he talked about this helper, like he, he, that he wanted us to have, that it was such an incredible thing that he was doing. In fact, Jesus said, uh, he said, it's better that he would go away so that he could send the Holy Spirit. Why? Because while Jesus was here, he could only be in one place at one time, but the Holy Spirit can be a representative of Jesus in our life, and he can be with everybody all the time. And so when Jesus went up to heaven, he, he went up there, he tagged the Holy Spirit and sent him down, and now we can have a relationship with him, an incredible relationship. And I want to build on that today because what I want to talk about today is how to walk in the fullness of relationship that Jesus desires you to walk in with the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes this morning, I'm calling this message uh, full of promise, full of promise. And when I say full of promise, you know, we, we kind of tend to think about potential. Like, you, you know, a new baby's born and we say, man, that baby's just so full of promise and, and we, we mean it's full of potential. And that's a part of it. But when I'm talking about being full of promise, what I'm talking about is being full of the person of promise. The person of promise that Jesus told us that he was going to send. Jesus said the Holy Spirit was a promise he would send. And it's through this promised person that you can reach your full potential. That you can be the disciple. You can be the, the mom, the dad, the, 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 the business owner, the student. It's through the promised Holy Spirit, this person of promise, that you can really fully step into the life and be the, the, the person of potential God's called you to be. So Acts chapter 1, if you want to look at this with me. Acts chapter 1, let me kind of set this up for you. Uh, this is the very end of Jesus' ministry here on earth. He's, he's died on the cross, he's been raised from the dead, and he's getting ready to ascend to heaven to sit at the right hand of his father that where he sits today. And he's talking to his disciples. His disciples, you know them, those 12 guys that were with him all the time. He's talking to them and he's giving them kind of the final instructions. These are his last words. How many of you know last words are a big deal? They're a big deal. And Jesus knows these are the last instructions he's going to give to these guys. I want you to notice what he says to them. Acts chapter 1, starting verse 4, 
says, and being assembled together with them, so it's talking about he's with his disciples here, he commanded them, notice that strong language, commanded them, he said, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Somebody say, wait. wait. Say it like you mean it, wait. wait. There you go. For the promise, somebody say promise. promise. The promise, he says that we're to wait for the promise. And when he's talking about this promise, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Look what he goes on to say, which he said, you've heard from me. So, so Matthew, or I'm sorry, is it Matthew? John chapter 14, 15, 16, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit to his disciples. He's telling them that this day's coming, the day's coming when he's going to leave. And when he leaves, he's going to send this promised person who's going to empower them. And he's going he's to be with them. He's going to lead them and guide them in all truth. He's going to tell them things to come. He's going to help them see what the word of God has to say, empower them for the assignment that they're called to do. So he promises that person's going to come. And he says this, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus is talking to his disciples, his guys that have been witnesses to the work that he's been doing all these years. They've seen people resurrected. They've seen him resurrected. And he's given them final instruction. And his final instructions are not just go. Because see, that's what I, I used to think growing up. The last words of Jesus were go into the world and preach the gospel. The last words of Jesus were to wait Yes, he wants us to go, but before we go, he was saying, I want you to wait because there's something you need. If you're going to go into the world and preach the gospel and really see people come to know me and experience the life in Christ that they need to experience, you got to wait for this promised person. So that tells me something. If Jesus is telling them to wait for the Holy Spirit, that tells me, and you see if you think this is true, that tells me they don't have all of this experience with the Holy Spirit that they should have right? Because you don't wait for something that you already, you already have, do you? No, you don't, unless you're weird, I guess, right? So he's saying, wait. Now, this is interesting because in John chapter 20, if you want to turn there, in John chapter 20, Jesus is talking to his disciples right after the resurrection. In fact, this is the first encounter he has with them after the resurrection. They're in this room, assembled together, afraid. They think Jesus is dead. They think that's all over. They're probably questioning whether or not he was the Messiah. He was who they thought he was. And he shows up. Look at this, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. Notice it doesn't say he came in the door. doesn't say he knocked on the door. doesn't say he let them in. It says he just came and stood among them. In other words, he just appeared, right? So these guys are all, you know, already scared. And they're in this room, and all of a sudden Jesus shows up. I love what he says next. See the comedy in this. Peace be with you. <laughs> Why does he say that? Because they probably needed to hear that. How many of you have ever been scared by somebody you didn't know they were there, all of a sudden they're there and you're like, whoa, okay, right? That's what just happened. These guys are in this room, bam, Jesus is there and he's going, hey guys, peace be with you, it's all good, it's all good. I don't know, I think that's funny. Anyways, <laughs> verse 20, after this he said, he, after this he showed them his hands and side. Now hold on to that. He's showing them the work of, of the cross on his body. He's showing them, hey, guys, it's me. It's Jesus. It's the one you love. I'm here. And, and I, I did die on the cross. See, see this? But I'm not dead anymore. I'm, I'm resurrected. Now, look at this. Uh, it says, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw their 
Lord. Remember that. They, they, they see him as Lord here, okay? Verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, wait a second. This is John chapter 20. This is before Acts 1. And Jesus is telling the disciples here, he's breathing on them and saying, receive the Holy Spirit. And then Acts 1, he's telling them to wait on the Holy Spirit. So, so what is it? Well, it's, it's actually both. See, what you have to understand, there's actually two experiences that, that a believer can have with the Holy Spirit. The first experience we have at salvation, when we receive Jesus into our life. And the second is a baptism in the Holy Spirit that takes place after we've received Jesus into our life. And the second is more of an encounter that we have where he comes and we have a fullness of relationship with him. See, what's happening right here is Jesus says, breathe the Holy Spirit on them, is they're receiving salvation. They're stepping into life with Jesus Christ. They're being forgiven of their sins. You say, well, Pastor Josh, these guys have been with Jesus for three years. How are they just now receiving salvation? Well, Jesus hasn't died on the cross until just now. They've been operating under the old covenant. They can't receive of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross until he actually did it. And so he shows up, and what does he do? He shows them. See, how do we receive Jesus? We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we believe that he died on the cross, and he rose for the dead, and you will be saved. What do these guys experience? Jesus shows up. He shows them, hey, it's me. I'm the Lord Jesus Christ. It says that they say it's the Lord, and he shows them the scars that, they're res that he's resurrected Savior. They're receiving salvation in that moment. The Holy Spirit is baptizing them into the family of God, and their sins are being forgiven. Look at what it says in the next verse. This kind of proves it. Verse 23. This is the very next verse after he says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So right after he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, he starts talking about the forgiveness of sins. Why? Because that's what's just taken place in their life. He's explaining to them what's What's going on? So there's this, this encounter that they have with the Holy Spirit, but there's another encounter that they'll have later. Now, let me show you something else on this. Luke chapter 24. I hope you're ready to take a lot of notes today because I'm going to show you a lot of Bible today because I want you to see this in the Word of God. I don't want you to take my opinion on it because my opinion don't really matter. What matters is the Word of God. My opinion don't matter. Your opinion don't matter. What matters is the Word of God. Amen? Turn the person beside you and say, your opinion don't really matter. I just got you guys to say that to each other. <laughs> Luke chapter 24. This is another, this is the same account that we just read from John 20 in, in Luke 24. See, hopefully, if you're new to church, hopefully you know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are four accounts of the story of Jesus. And in the different accounts, we see some of the same stories told, but it's, it's taken from different accounts of people that were there. So this is Luke writing about this. Verse 24, the exact same account. He says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Remember that little part from John chapter 20? So this is the same thing. And then he talks to them. He breathes on them the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 49. Behold, I send the promise. Now, the promise is the Holy Spirit, right? That's what we're talking about. Jesus says, I'm going to send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry, or in other words, wait. Terry is not just the last name of our worship leader. Terry actually means to wait. He says, wait in the city of Jerusalem. That's what we read later in Acts until you are, now say this last part with me, endued with power from on high. So, so they're receiving salvation. And in the same 
context of scripture, Jesus is saying, but, but wait, because I got something else for you. I've got another experience I want you to have with the Holy Spirit where you're going to be endued with power from on high. In other words, endued means clothed. That word power is the Greek word uh, dunamis, which means dynamite, where we get the word dynamite, which means explosive power. It means the power of an army behind you. So Jesus is saying, I want you to wait because I'm going to send you someone, a person of promise who's going to be with you. And when they're with you, it's like the army of God is backing you up in what I've called you to do. This is good stuff, right? So this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying there's another experience with the Holy Spirit that you need to have. It's important that you have it in order for you to do what you're called to do. So so let me break this down for you some more, right? Um, Every person can have three experiences with the bat with with baptism. There's three baptisms that can you can partake of. The first baptism is the baptism we receive when we make Jesus our Lord. This is the the baptism into salvation, or you could say it like this: the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. That's what happens at the first baptism. The Holy Spirit baptizes you in the family of God. Look at this with me, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, for by one spirit, that's talking about the Holy Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. That body is, the, is talking about the body of Christ. It's talking about the family of God. So on the day of salvation, when you choose to make Jesus your Lord, which means that you repent for your sins, you choose to follow him. It's not just a prayer that you pray flippantly. It's not just a hand that you raise, but you choose to say, I'm gonna live for Jesus Christ. On that day, you receive salvation. You start stepping into this relationship with God. On that day, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the family of God. Your sins are erased. You're born again, the Bible says. That's the first baptism. The second baptism is water baptism. Many of you have heard of this. At water baptism, the disciple baptizes us in water. So either a pastor or even a family member, someone that's another believer baptizes us in water. Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Water baptism doesn't make you any more saved, but it's an outward expression of the inward change that's taken place in our life. It's us declaring to the world that I'm on God's team. I'm with Jesus. I'm going to follow him. And like Jesus says, if you, if you uh, confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. It's your way of professing I'm, I'm with Jesus. And most people believe in these first two baptisms. They have no problem with that. But there's actually a third baptism that we can experience. That's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The first baptism is a baptism of the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit is baptizing us into the family of God. This is a baptism in the Holy Spirit, where Jesus baptizes us into the Holy Spirit. Uh, John the Baptist talked about this in Matthew 3, verse 11, talking about the work that Jesus was going to come do. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who's coming after me is mightier than I. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the Messiah who's going to come whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, he, Jesus, will baptize you in, everybody say in, in in the Holy Spirit and fire. And that that idea of fire there is that idea of power, that idea of of that dunamis type power, that, that ability to do what you're called to do. So 1 Corinthians 13 or 12, we read about the baptism of the Holy Spirit where Jesus baptizes us, introduces us, to the person of the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, understand, when you receive salvation, you have a connection and a relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
But there's another one that takes place that God wants us to experience, another encounter and experience we can have with the Holy Spirit where we become baptized in the Holy Spirit, where we become fully saturated and, and, and step into a fullness of relationship with the person of promise. So let me build on this a little bit, all right? Flip over to Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to read you some stuff and show you some stuff where you're going to see these three baptisms taking place in the New Testament church. Acts chapter 2 takes place right after the day of Pentecost. The disciples have been in Jerusalem. They've been waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes like this rushing mighty wind. These flames appear above these guys' heads, tongues of fire. They begin to, to speak in tongues. But beyond that, they also we see them being like different guys. In fact, we see Peter stepping out of this, this moment, and now he goes out and he's preaching and teaching and he's eloquent with how he's doing it. This is the same guy, same Peter that, that denies Christ earlier. And now there's something different about him. What's different is now he's been, he's been baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is right after he preaches, verse 37. Now, when they heard this, this means they heard him preaching the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of his apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do. In other words, they're going, hey, we hear this gospel message. This is incredible. What are the next steps we need to take? How do we, how do we embrace this? How do we step into this? Verse 38, then Peter said to them, repent. That's the first baptism right there. He's talking about salvation. You're turning from your wicked ways. You're recognizing that you're sinful and you need to change from that. And repent means to go in the opposite direction. You're going to follow and chase after Jesus and make him Lord. Repent. And, and let everyone be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins. There's the first two baptisms right there, water baptism and salvation. Verse 49, he says, behold, I send the promise. What's the promise? The Holy Spirit, right? I'm gonna send the promise and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There it is. So notice the three things. We see repentance. They step into salvation. They receive water baptism and they receive Holy Spirit baptism. Now, some people might say that, Pastor Josh, I hear what you're saying, but that's, that's not in operation anymore. There are churches that'll preach and tell you that this was just something that God did at the beginning to just kind of get the ball rolling, to get the gospel message out there, but he doesn't do this anymore. We can't operate in this anymore. Well, here's the problem with that. That doesn't line up with scripture <laughs> because Acts 2, in the same area I was just reading you, Acts 2 verse 39 says, for the promise, what's the promise? The Holy Spirit, the promise is to you and your children and to all who are afar off. So he's talking to all the people there and the people at that current time who are far from God. As many as the Lord our God will call. As many as the Lord our God will call. That's you and me. That's everybody. So uh, if you're called according to the Lord, this is for you. This isn't something that's passed away. This isn't something that's ended. This wasn't something Jesus just launched at the beginning to get the ball rolling. This is something he wants in operation in your life right now. The promise of the Holy Spirit and the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for you right now. All right, now flip over to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. In this story, we see Philip. And Philip goes to Samaria and he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. And look once again in here for the three baptisms. Verse 12, but when they believed, okay, so that's salvation. They believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Both men and women were baptized. So they believed, they've received salvation, and now they've been water baptized. The two baptisms have taken place. Now look at verse 14. 
Now, when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God or has received salvation, they sent Peter and John to them who told them that they had everything that they needed. Is that what it says? It's not what it says, is it? And yet some of you, that's what you've been told. You've been saved, you've been water baptized, and you've been told that that's where it ends for you. But this is Peter and John, disciples, apostles. And look at what they say. When they heard, they came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. They're already saved, but then they're praying for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Why would Peter and John, disciples, apostles of Jesus Christ, pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit if they already received all the Holy Spirit they can receive at salvation? Good question, isn't it? It's almost like these guys don't understand theology today. You know, I don't get it. Verse 16, for as yet he, look at what it goes on to say, for as yet he, the Holy Spirit, had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They've only been baptized in salvation. They haven't been, had the Holy Spirit fall upon them, receive that fullness of relationship. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Go to Acts chapter 19. I'm giving you a lot of verses today. I hope you're okay. You guys okay with, we talking about the Bible in church. You okay with that? I hope you are. Because I don't know, if you go to some church and they give you one verse and that's it, I don't know why you're wasting your time, okay? We preach the Bible. We got to get into the Word. This is what will set you free. I don't want you taking my opinion. I want you seeing what the Word has to say. Acts chapter 19. This is 25 years after the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 19. And it happened while Apollos was in Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Disciples. What does that mean? They're followers of Jesus Christ. These are Christians. He found some disciples, okay? Now look at what Paul says to them in the next verse. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Okay, everybody look up here. This is Paul we're talking about here, guys. You guys know Paul's kind of a big deal, right? Considered the greatest apostle who ever lived. Wrote most of the theology of the New Testament like a lot more than you did, a lot more than I did, a lot more than any other current pastor living wrote. And he finds some people who have, who have confessed Jesus Christ, their disciples, and he comes to them and he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so again, if they received all the Holy Spirit they could receive at salvation, then why is Paul, <laughs> like Paul, the Paul that went up to the third heaven, Let's just be happy if we get into the first, okay? <laughs> Paul. May I remind you of this too. This same Paul wrote a lot of the theology on grace and faith that we fully embrace. So how do we divorce this Holy Spirit message from the same theologian who gave us those incredible verses? You can't. You can't do that. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit, which I think is interesting what Paul says next, because I can kind of see at this point, he's probably thinking, wait, what did, you, what did you guys get saved as? Like, what are you believing in here? He says, and he said to them, into what were you baptized? <laughs> uh, I, find, I find comedy in the Bible all the time. God's funny. You guys know that, right? God's funny. 
So they said, into John's baptism, which he, he goes to talk about. It's a, it's a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that you should believe that salvation, salvation, you repent and you believe on him who would come after him. That's talking about Jesus Christ. Verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's talking about, uh, holy, or that's talking about water baptism. He water baptizes these guys. Verse 6, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. You see it over and over again in the New Testament church. You get saved, you get water baptized, and you get Holy Spirit baptized. And what we see is, is the people that were launching the church were adamant about making sure that people were receiving this gift. In, in Acts chapter 8, when it happens, it happens five years after the day of Pentecost. They're still making sure, hey, did you guys receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? In Acts chapter 10, it's 10 years after the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 25, it's 25 years after the day of Pentecost. Paul is going to these guys and saying, hey, I heard you got saved. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Why do they make such a big deal out of this? Because it's a big deal. Because the promise of the Holy Spirit is, is important for us to reach the potential. And they know if this gospel message is going to get anywhere and do anything and have the impact it's supposed to have, it has to ride on the Spirit of God. And it has to ride on, on the hearts and, and mouths of people who are empowered by the Spirit of God to share it and carry it into this world. It's a big deal. And is it possible that one of the reasons why we see a powerless church today very often is because many of the churches are only operating in two of the three baptisms? Is it possible that the reason why some of us are struggling in this room today with things like sin, with things like understanding scripture with, is because we're not fully, fully operating in all three of the baptisms that God wants us to experience. See, I, I, here's the thing. I, I want you to know I've experienced this in my life. And that's why I'm so adamant about you getting it. That's why we lead with this at this church. We want you to know how important this is. I couldn't imagine pastoring a church where I know about this and I don't share it with you. That's insane to me. How could I have this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit and not be willing to talk to you about it and try to make it plain so you can embrace it and experience it? This is what's gonna help the body of Christ and the message of Jesus to, to do something in this world and to do something in your life. We, we have to chase after this. And I've experienced it in my life. I've, I've seen, I've lived a, a part of my life where I was struggling. And I remember embracing the Holy Spirit and inviting him into my life and really beginning to walk in the fullness of relationship with him. And I've seen it empower me to, to overcome sin, to put to death the deeds of my body, to, to share the love of God with the world around me, to be better than me. See, because we have the Holy Spirit doesn't make us us better than other people who don't have it. It makes me better than me and you better than you. That's the role of the Holy Spirit is to help you be the best version of you, to walk in the fullness of potential Jesus has called you to. So, so how does this work? Okay, well, to understand this baptism in the Holy Spirit, uh, we need to look at the word baptism. And in the Greek, the, the word used is, is baptizo. Baptizo, it means to immerse, to submerge, to overwhelm, to saturate. And when talking about the Holy Spirit, there's this idea of transformation that kind of goes along with it. And, and the best way I know how to explain this to you is, is uh, with the illustration of, of pickles. Let's talk about pickles for a minute. So I have a grandma, her name is Mimi, and she's about this tall. She's somewhere in there, she shrinks. But she's, her name is Mimi. She, 
she, uh, she raised my dad on a farm, like he grew up on a farm, and so she's one of those kind of grandmas. So she makes her own pickles. I'm telling you, these pickles are crazy good. They're the best pickles I've ever had. So help me, Sarah, my family's here. They are incredible pickles, okay? Uh, which, you know, maybe you're looking at me right now going, dude, I don't know about this guy. His grandma's name is Mimi. Grandmas have funny names, right? It's just how it is. Like my grandparents on my mom's side, my, gra- my grandma was Moners. My grandpa was Bobo. His name was Bradley Owen. They called him Bo, which is why we named our, one of the reasons why we named our daughter Bo, but we called him Bobo. And then on my dad's side, my grandma was Mimi, and my, my grandpa was Pee-Pee. <laughs> Moners and Bobo, Mimi and Pee-Pee. Now you think that's funny, and I, I do too, but when... <laughs> I remember when me and Sarah got married and we were, we were getting ready to have our first, our first child, our son, Gus, like, I remember it kind of dawning on me that her family had like the craziest names for their grandparents, like really formal. She called her grandma, grandma, and then last name, and grandpa last name on both sides. It's like so formal to me. Like, who wants that? I don't want to be grandpa blunt someday. That sounds, <laughs> get in here and address grandpa blunt. No. But then here's what's even crazier. Her mom and dad are grandparents too. And some of the kids called them by their first name, Steve and Marilyn. <laughs> Grand, uh, Steve, can I have a cookie? Like, what? That, what that's horrible. So I actually, I actually was like, you know what? No, our kids are going to call them by a funny name. My parents are Nana and Pawpaw, and yours, and they, they came up with their own names. That was their deal, which is cool. I'm excited about someday getting to name myself as a grandpa. <laughs> I'm going to be like Peepaw or Bo P or something crazy. <laughs> Bo P, that sounds like go P. That's not good. No, not that. I'll be something though. But we ended up naming her, her parents uh, Grammy and Grampy. And now everybody calls them that. No more Steve and Marilyn. This has nothing to do with the message this morning. But just a little rabbit trail we go on. Okay, so Mimi's pickles, all right? So when you're making Mimi's pickles, I've, I've been able to make these pickles with her before. And in order to make a, a pickle, you, you know it starts as a cucumber. And cucumbers are nasty. Like, you say, I like cucumbers. No, you don't. You like ranch and you like hummus. That's what you like, okay? No one likes cucumbers. No one just likes cu- Like, no one's just grabbing a cucumber and gnawing on that thing. And yet, we'll do that with a pickle. Like, you can go to the grocery store. You can go to a game. You can go to a movie. And you can get a pickle in a bag of juices, you know, and gnaw on that sucker. So... So anyways, in order to make a, a cucumber a pickle, there's a baptism that has to take place. There's actually two baptisms. The first one is you take the cucumbers and you put them in this, this water bath with salt and some different stuff in it, and you, you kind of wash them off. And during this process, there's some enzymes and different scientific mumbo-jumbo stuff that takes place that enables that pickle to be, first of all, clean, but then also to be better uh, receptive to the pickling process. Which is interesting. This is a picture of salvation. When you get saved, what does Jesus do? He cleans you up. And he, he prepares you so that at that moment, now you're more receptive to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and to the next step that God wants to do. So the next step in is you take these cucumbers and you stuff them into these jars. You cram them in. And then you take this brine and you pour it into them. You seal them up. And they become immersed in this brine. And they begin to live in that brine. And as they live in that brine, here's what happens. They begin to take on the flavor of that brine. And so what they're being baptized in, they begin to become and begin to taste like. 
This is a picture of Holy Spirit baptism. Jesus, we receive salvation. He prepares us. And then when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you get immersed in the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, you begin to take on the flavors of God. That's why the Bible says you can taste and see that the Lord is good. People can taste and see that the Lord is good through you after you're filled with this Spirit. And he's, he's, you're immersed in Him, living in Him, allowing Him to saturate you and penetrate you and change you and transform you from, from a cucumber to a pickle, from something that's nasty and not good to something that's, that people want. And that's good for this world and it makes a difference in this world. Pickles make a difference, amen. That's a Josh Romano quote right there. Pickles make a difference. I think you're the first person that told me that. Amen. What was it? Pizza has integrity was the, yeah, that's it. You guys remember that? Pizza has integrity? Oh man, okay. But the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in you. He wants to change you, transform you into something beautiful so you can operate and function from the gifts of the Spirit. You can be something that is wonderful for your family and for your marriage and for your school and wherever you find yourself. So, so I'm hoping that right now you're going, okay, you know, like those guys that heard Peter, what do we do? It's real simple. Two things you gotta do. Number one is you gotta ask. If you wanna receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you have to ask. Luke eleven thirteen 13 says, how much more Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The question is, have you ever asked for the Holy Spirit? Since you've received Jesus Christ, has there ever been a moment when you asked and invited the Holy Spirit to baptize you? So number one, you gotta ask. Number two is you believe. Real simple, you just believe. The same way you receive everything that we get from the Lord is the same way you receive this. Everything we get from God is available by grace and we receive it by faith. You receive salvation. It's available because of the grace of Jesus Christ dying on the cross and we receive it by faith. We just believe that we can have that. You receive healing by grace through faith. The grace is the stripes of Jesus Christ. Your faith says that he died and and suffered that so that you could be healed. You receive the Holy Spirit baptism the same way. You believe it's available because Jesus Christ said he made it available after the cross and you receive it by faith. It's that simple. And so some of you today, you've never experienced this. It was really cool. After first service, I had all these people coming to me telling me, I've never heard this before. I've never heard it this way before. And we had this incredible moment at the end of service where all these people stood up to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna give you a chance to do that in just a minute. But before I do, uh, there's also another group of you here. And some of you have received that baptism in the Holy Spirit. But you would maybe say today, I don't feel like I'm living like what you're talking about here. I don't feel like this is, this is going on in my life. Well, part of the problem is you haven't stayed immersed. See, in order to, to operate with the Holy Spirit like he wants you to, you have to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Ephesians 5.18, it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's a, it, when it says be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's a continuous action verse, verb and that means be being filled. It means it's something you got to do on the regular. It's something that I do every day. Every morning, I invite the Holy Spirit to fill me up. I I was reading this week about uh, at the Parade of Roses in Pasadena one year, one of the floats was going down the the parade route, and it just stopped. And the whole parade is being held up by this. And what they discovered was this, this float ran out of gas. 
And so they had to go get gas and fill this thing up, and it was all on TV and kind of this crazy thing. Well, what makes it even crazier is the float that ran out of gas was a float for Standard Oil Company. So, so, but think about this. Here's this company that has vast resources available to it, but if they're not keeping their stuff continually filled, it's gonna run out of gas. And the same is true for you. We, we have the ability to operate and function with all that the Holy Spirit has, but if we don't continue to be filled, we're gonna run out of gas. The famous evangelist from the 19th century, D.L. Moody, when asked, why do I need to keep being filled? He said, because I leak. Life causes us to leak. Like life causes life to, to pour out of us. And so if, as we're pouring out life into the world around us, we gotta keep pouring the Holy Spirit life back into us, inviting the person of promise. My friends, Jesus made available a person of promise to empower you, to live the Christian life, to be a witness, to help you. The, the same Holy Spirit that, that, that helped the people pen scripture can live in you. So guess what? He can tell you what those scriptures say. You say you read the Bible, you get nothing out of it, invite the Holy Spirit to begin to translate it for you. He wrote it. He knows what it says. Just ask him. He'll help you to live free from sin and overcome that stuff. He'll remind you when you are about to say something stupid. How many of you need that sometimes? Sometimes I'm getting ready to say something to Sarah and the Holy Spirit's like, no. Okay, okay, I'm sensitive to that. Okay, okay. But this promise is for you. So, so if you're here today and maybe you've never been filled before, or maybe you're here today and you would say, and I'm expecting a bunch of you, myself included, you would say, I want a fresh infilling today. If that's you, loud and proud, I want you to stand up on your feet. Look at this. So awesome. Yeah, come on. Give yourself a hand. Look at this. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Nothing weird's going to happen. I promise you we're not that kind of church. We're not weird. We're not looking for some kind of a manifestation or something, an evidence of this. We're going to talk about the gift of, of, of a prayer language in a couple weeks. So you'll learn more about that. But today, we're just going to believe and receive. We're going to ask and believe. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your hands out like this. This, nothing special about this other than this is just the position of your heart right now. And then we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and we're going to ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Okay. So say this with me. Say, Jesus, I ask you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I receive it in Jesus name. Amen. Now stay standing. I want to pray over you. Lord, I thank you for all of these people who have stand up and boldly proclaimed, I want all that God has to offer. Jesus, I recognize that I need the person of promise. So Lord, I thank you that you baptize them right now. You fill them up with your spirit. You immerse them in the spirit of God. And from this day forward, there will be a new gear that they can move into. They're shifting into a new moment of life where they can operate and function from the fullness of life you've called them for. We thank you, Lord, as a church, we see this as a landmark day. And what you're gonna do in this church and through this church, through these people, fully empowered, embracing the person of promise that you've given to us. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 Yes, give yourself a hand. Okay, now sit down real quick. Sit down real quick. If you're here today, heads bowed, eyes closed, and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, 
I don't want to leave this opportunity without giving you a chance to take that first step, that get that first baptism, receive salvation. You're here today and you say, man, I feel far from God. I want to be right with God. That's you. I'd love to pray with you. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if that's you, you just repeat after me in church, since we're all in agreement, let's pray this together. Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for me. I believe that Jesus died so I could be saved. And I believe that he rose to new life so I could be raised to new life in him. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. I give you my all. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give those a hand. I prayed that prayer. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.